If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the Q&A. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now here's the podcast. Sean Sheehan of SevereMMA.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 339 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. the pod god, the scoring wizard, the legend, joined today by the uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about a fucking terrible week in the world of mixed martial arts. Nothing happened. It was a boring issue card last night. There's no card next week, so... This podcast could be. I'm not going to lie to you here on the Severe Man podcast right away. But you know what? This actually might lead to a better podcast because uh, we we will have to uh, we will have to come up with some shit to talk about probably. Uh, but we do have a few topics to talk about, and uh, we we will get to them. But first of all, we must tell you about our span sp- sponsors. Our sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, do you know what's coming up next Friday? It's Black Friday, so forget about our promo code. None of that for a second, but use it. You know, use the promo code Severe Man. But support Manscaped next Black Friday. There will be site-wide uh, money off on Manscaped, so they have been a great support for us for the last year, and we cannot thank them enough. So this is your time now. You get loads of money off this Black Friday, Cyber Monday as well coming up. I think it's the Monday afterwards, but we'll remind you of that next week anyway. Again, but uh, this Friday coming up, Black Friday, there's going to be site-wide money off of uh, off of Manscaped. So please support them. So the holidays have come early for Manscaped, uh, and it is the, uh, the, the the gift that keeps on. Santa's beard isn't so appealing uh, when it's coming out of your trousers and that's why Manscaped, the leaders of the blow the waist grooming, have you covered this holiday season. Next available uh, now available, sorry, even in your country, join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to keep their trees trimmed and ornaments polished, just like Brand Stark, which people kind of loved last week. Uh, so go to manscaped.com use a promo code SEVEREMA for 20 pence strength off and free shipping and as I said, Black Friday you might even get uh, more than that so keep an eye on that. Uh, so jingle balls to the walls fellas listen up it's time to kill two birds with one trimmer and get yourself uh, yourself and your lady a gift I'm talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 inside that Performance Package 4.0 you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 the electric trimmer which has proprietary skin safe technology that reduces cuts on your nuts it's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower Uh, it's a gift uh, to your partner with less mess the Manscaped Performance Package 4.4 also includes a crop preserver and crop reviver the anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer and toner this hygiene bundle will also come with the Manscaped anti-chafing boxers uh, and is the perfect wrapping for your presence Uh, also included is a weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer which is uh, waterproof and it uses the 9000 RPM motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system nobody not even Santa wants hairs up their chimney I fucking nearly uh, got my read off there laughing uh, Manscaped is going beyond the gro- going beyond the groin with her new refined cologne uh, and offers uh, a light yet masculine pleasing fragrance that will leave uh, your lady in the naughty list this year it's made with hypoallergenic ingredients that are vegan cruelty free dye free and paraben free listen the season to load up on Manscaped products uh, is upon us so get yourself your dad your brother your friends all the best gift to Manscaped performance package 4.0 so get 20% off at free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma manscaped.com uh clean up your nuts and make santa proud this year right graham um let's uh any any crack with you anyway before we you know there's much mma to talk about because that card last night <laughs> was fucking awful you, yeah i was doing a preview show with, with ian and uh sean denny and I was just, we were just talking about the, the lack of jeopardy and the lack of quality on the, the undercards of the UFC uh, fight nights these days and kind of how Dana White, 
used to kind of make fun of boxing for this and now now we're kind of we're stuck with this <laughs> so it, yeah it wasn't it wasn't the, the greatest night of, night of fights um there wasn't much jeopardy um it's it, we were talking kind of how about how the prospects are kind of hard harder to pick out now and even when there are prospects the matchmakers aren't really leading them down a, a, a safe path and uh, it's, it's you know these cards are just uh, missable you know I used to have a bunch of friends I'd have they used to want to come over or they'd be out talking about it or having a, a meet up to watch the UFC when it was on um, it was an occasion but now it's just like oh it's, there's another UFC card on uh, I suppose I'll catch the highlights if anything happens kind of thing yeah it's it, like it, it is like last night even I, I missed like the first hour because I thought the card was on at 10 instead of 9 or whatever it was <laughs> so I'm like what Did Philip O'Connor text me about something it was like oh this is whatever after happening and I was like uh, the fights are on <laughs> like it's uh, I don't know it was it's just one that would of, never uh, happen a few years no, ago you know what I mean never yeah you like especially for people like us who are there first fight of the card you know and it's it's a mistake that I made because there's just so many cards coming up and I think actually on fight pass it had said it so I think they just missed an hour out of fight pass and then there was a uh, a, a fight cancelled as well the Terrence McKinney fight that was supposed to happen because someone got the, the old Rona um, yeah and, corner man got, yeah, got COVID yeah. they did yeah so I thought it'd be a bit later or something, but no, it's, yeah, it's, look, it, I know, but look, we don't want to be too negative and not, it's, it's, it might be one of those weeks where we've been very positive for the last while, but it, um, I, I think the, the point you made there about being harder to, uh, to figure out who the prospects are is actually a great point because it's, it's one maybe we don't talk about enough because if you look at the, say the card last night, say a, a guy like Nathan Levy comes in, he's six and all, but he loses to a guy with fucking 15 fights. Like, so is Levy like a really good prospect or is he a guy that got beaten by a really, uh, well-experienced guy with the likes of Justin Gaethje and Cubs Watson in his card or like, or, you know, Lupi Godinez, she's had three fights in, in the space of a month. Is she like, is she like a really good prospect or is she going to be like the next Sintony Calvillo? I know she's gone two and one in it, but I, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, look, it's easier for us with say the Irish or the, the English or the Welsh guys coming through that we see on cage wires and we've seen for a few years and we kind of know how good they are. But before you would see people coming through and, you know, whether it's from the the American scene or worldwide scene and you'd kind of, you'd kind of know them a little bit. But now there's new people every week. There's people on the cards every week that we've never heard of. And it's, you, everyone can't be a prospect. Like everyone can't be the next big thing. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough situation for anyone, not, not just us covering the sport, but like, you know, sometimes, and, and we even made this, uh, we even made this point we were talking about Sinead Kavanaugh last week about people maybe disrespecting her a little bit fighting Chris Weibark when like there aren't really that many challengers that would give a better account of ourselves to Sinead Kavanaugh you know without in and try to hit Chris Weibark as hard as she fucking could and came out in the wrong end but sure look that's the way the, the quickie crumbles but most people are acting like ah oh, she's just this nobody coming into the fighter like and I <sighs> Uh, it's it, you know in one way okay they shouldn't be doing that when it's a world title fight absolutely but in another way then like there's there's fucking i don't know how many 16 nobodies on every card in terms of and i know you, that, that might sound bad but in terms of how do ufc promote them in terms of how the vast majority of people know them like fights last night we're watching them we're just like hoping they'll be good hoping this fighter is good we've, we've probably seen them before but like they were another like nameless faceless fucking prelim probably six months but even ago if they win happened. against another guy that nobody really knows about do you, do you really know what level they're at you know what yeah. i mean there's, there's there's no barometer yeah it's yeah that's and it's a major problem and the, the thing about it is right okay people can emerge but even say someone like say sean o'malley who's kind of emerged over the last couple of years like he he lost to cheeto vera okay it was a weird one because of the leg and everything but a genuine win but like it's even hard to know how someone like him fares in, in the division it's, it's even hard to know how good someone like him is in the division these days and he's someone who's kind of sticking out like it's it's um it's a weird situation because you don't know whether someone is 
uh, genuine, like, are, are they're fighting fucking Dana White contender series people who have, like, four fights and how good are they, you know? Like, when, let's say when McGregor came through, you kind of, look, we knew what Brimage was as a fighter. He's a good, solid, you know, lower-level fighter. We knew what um, Brandau was, a good, experienced fighter. We knew Ma- Max Holloway was, one of the best up-and-coming prospects. We knew what Dennis Seaver was. We knew what Chad Mendes was. We knew what Jose Aldo was, obviously, you know? And you could see that coming through. You could probably say the same you know, for John Jones when he met, you know, uh, uh, Bader and when he met um, uh, Stephen Bonner and when he met, obviously, uh, Shogun Hua in, in the title fighters, you could see them coming through. You could see the, the, the level that they were fighting. You know, I've talked about it heavyweight as well. Said the likes of Tom Aspinall now if he was coming through. Say if Junior Dos Santos was still there or, uh, or Alistair Overy when he was to get in there and beat him, you know, how good he is, like Cyril Gagnon at the moment. So it can happen and it does happen. But for the vast majority of people, it's just it's impossible to know their level. Cause some you know what I always get on on um on a QA and it's look, it's a grand question, no problem. But like someone says say like a Rafa Garcia here last night, right? He looked impressive. I thought he was good, and I, I've picked out that fight a couple of times because I, I do like him. But 13 and 2 at 155 pounds. Someone asked me, who do you think he should fight next? Well that's there's probably fucking 60 lads in the UFC at 155 pounds. Probably the vast majority of them are around his level, like unranked. Oh, is he fucking ranked number fifty or is he ranked number twenty-five? You know, and it's it's just impossible to know where anyone was before. Like you could almost give, let's say, if there was thirty lightweights in the UFC, you could probably give your one to thirty, and you know you could disagree over some of them or whatever. But I think most people would ha- would have them straight up. Now it's just impossible. It's impossible to know their levels. And you, you know, you see people come through, obviously, like a Shimaev and other people like that, or a Brady, and you know their quality. But I don't know. I think it's just harder and harder and harder all the time to understand a person's quality unless you have been covering them. You know, if you're on the Brazilian scene covering the Brazilian fighters or, uh, you know, the, the, the Arizona scene covering the Arizona fighters or the Irish scene covering the Irish fighters. It's just tough. Is there anything we can do to change the ground, do you reckon? What, like, I, I've been covering the cards a lot more lately, obviously, doing the sure dog stuff and, you know, breaking down the cards and the Bellator cards. And that does help a little bit when you go in and you kind of look at their records, look at what gyms they come from and all. But, like, still, I you forget them because it, it happens, you know, it's, it's happening so regularly. Is there anything we can do to change it? Well, uh, I suppose the ESPN deal is probably the, the main reason why, you know, it's happening. They just need cards. They need people on cards. So they, they kind of got rid of that UFC caliber thing and just kind of signed anyone and everyone who has any kind of potential or, you know, any kind of any kind of um, place in the jigsaw. So uh, I don't know when this ESPN deal is up. Do you know Do you know how, how long is left in this? I think there's another few years in it anyway. No, yeah, yeah three years. Know, so I don't. I don't see a change, and then uh, you know, live sport is at such a premium now for TV stations, and sport is kind of the only thing that people desire to watch live. They, they like it doesn't really matter if you record your TV series or whatever and watch it back afterwards. You can skip the ads and all that. It's actually better. But with live sport, you know, this is probably going to continue. It's probably you know we're not going to go back to having thirty shows or twenty shows a year. It's it's gonna it's gonna stay around forty, fifty, or even you know get to 52 at some stage because live sport is what's bringing in the advertisers and bringing in the viewers. So I, I think this is, this is going this way and it, it's just going to turn into like boxing where you, you don't really, you don't really know who to, unless you're a really hardcore fan, yeah. uh, you don't really know who 90% of the people on the cards card are. And you're just kind of waiting for the main event. Mm-hmm. I think mean, like, even then you talk about, you know, soon there'll be 52. There's probably more than 52 at the moment because of the Dana White Contender Series as well. You know, that that's, you know, they, they dressed them up as non-UFC fights, but they basically are UFC fights. Like, like I actually think it'd be better if they dressed up more UFC fight nights as Dana White Contender Series, and then we wouldn't have to fucking watch them. <laughs> you know, because it's... Uh, I feel like, you know, we, I've, I've mentioned this before, about, and, and we often talked about like the over uh, oversaturation of MMA and everything like that. I think the UFC need to kind of roll back the oversaturation of the use of the name UFC, because really they do, because it's like, you know, Ferrari wouldn't uh, call their Fiat's Ferraris, would they? Do you ESPN want, want, you know... A different thing, not the three letters, the UFC. Yeah. They want the UFC. That's bringing in the, the casual viewers. Oh, the UFC's on, nothing else is on. Let me watch this. It's true. Dana yeah. White Contender Series or WEC or anything else is probably not going to have that pull. 
Yeah, it is true. Yeah, that's 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 the point that we keep coming back to. It is it's, it's the money and it is the the ESPN deal. But it, it's not just the ESPN. It'd be happening if they were with Fox or with fucking Amazon or wherever they would be. So yeah, it's uh, it's a thing that that we're not probably be able going to be able to shake and not be probably be able to come back from. Like and and this is the discussion. I don't know if any kind of MMA fans or new maybe in the last three or four years. This is a discussion that people got really sick of about five years ago when we were talking about the oversaturation of MMA, but it actually isn't a discussion but we've had for a while. it's worse now, I think. Yeah, yeah. it is, yeah, it has. Because, like, this... What we were talking about with the oversaturation of MMA is exactly what's happening now. It's just the level of fighter right now is not there. You know, it's not... Uh, it hasn't caught up with the level of fights in terms of the amount of fights that are going on. Like, if we had 500 world-class top-level fighters, it'd be fine. You know, anyone would love, you know, 15 fights or 12 fights of a night and everyone be top-notch, brilliant, top-caliber fighters. But that's just not realistic. Like, that's just not going to happen. There's only a certain amount of places, a certain amount of belts, and uh, a certain amount of good fighters as well. So, look... It's uh, it is an issue, and it's one that we're gonna probably be seeing more of over the next years. But however, let's uh, let's get into the card a little bit anyway, and pick out a, a couple of things from it, I suppose. Uh, as I said, I, I kind of missed the first couple of fights, but uh, Luna Pinero got a win over Sam Hughes. Uh, she moved to uh, to ten and one here, according to Topology. Actually, that's another thing. The, the difference between the UFC and Topology and Sherdog and uh, MMA, what is it, MMA.tv, who are apparently the official record keepers of MMA. <clears throat> These records are just different everywhere as well. So you don't know who's fighting who, who's fighting where, or what. It's it's bad altogether. But anyway. Um, there was, there was, what, four unanimous decisions to start the card? Was that it? Or is there another one? Let me pull up here. Yeah. Five, six, six unanimous decisions, then a split, then another unanimous. Split, yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. it was... It was all decisions up until the main card. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I, look, oh yeah, Cody Durden as well. Did you hear that after his, after his win? He was like, I'm going to send you back to China or something. And then uh, he apologized for it, but then people pulled up tweets that he had sent like two or three weeks ago saying I bleed red white and blue and this communist is going to get beaten down or something so it's like uh, do you know the weirdest thing about this right is any other sport if this happened this guy would be gone and never seen again like there's just no doubt about that imagine if this happened imagine if fucking I don't know Scott McTominay said this after the match yesterday. <laughs> like, there's, there is just no way he would ever play for Man United again. Oh, well, like Harry Maguire has committed worse atrocities. Uh, uh, for, for he's it. defending <laughs> it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but in all, in all seriousness, though, like it, it's. I don't know. I wonder. I, I like. I'm here. I wonder. Will the UFC do something? Of course they fucking won't. What are they going to do? Nothing. And this is some no-name guy. Like who? I didn't even see the fight. Like that's how much. You know, but it's. I don't know. I and I'm not like one of these. You know, fucking mad political types or anything like that. But this was pretty fucking cut and dry. I think was it not? Like it's uh, like to come out and apologize, but like not go back and and. Um, delete your tweets where you're like there's loads of stuff coming up now from his tweets in the past it's like well this guy just seems like a bit of a scumbag to be honest but ugh, fucking mma mma lads anyway but i, I had to bring I mean, that up maybe just, you know you see will think oh this guy is gonna you know cause a lot of controversy people will, will yeah. pay to see him see him lose <laughs> it is, uh, i'm afraid to see him fucking win depending on what fucking side of it you're on but yeah the fc are like well this guy aligns with our political beliefs <laughs> let's keep yeah. him going or, uh, you're like this guy's created a bit of a buzz in the media. He's doing something oh, right. God. We're talking about yeah. him here. I was actually listening to your... Uh, who are you talking to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, we'll spoil alert, but uh, you were talking to Ariel the other day, and, and that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. And you were talking... Who was, it? was it McGregor you were talking about? Like, has it kind of kept... You know, the, the bad boy image over the last while has kind of kept him, like, you know, in the media a little bit or something, which I, I don't know. Is that true? But it does happen with a lot of different people. Like, I, uh, Colby's a bad example, maybe, because he's right at the top. But, like, even someone like um, Amas Vidal or, you know, a lot of a lot of fighters over the last while have kind of built their image around... But Covington wasn't always at the top. You know, when he yeah. came in, he was he was kind of doing the same, saying the same kind of things and trying to piss people off and all this stuff. And it, it made him straight away, one or two, and oh, in the UFC, it made him more of a household name. It made Strong. people talk about him and news media talk about him and you know we were talking about him I'm sure other websites are talking about him fans either thought it was funny and 
thought people were getting trolled or were pissed off, but they were invested either way. So it worked out for Cody, you know. So maybe this guy is thinking, you know, this is the route I'm going to take. I'm going to follow in Cody's oh, uh, footsteps. It's, <laughs> no, what, and it's isn't it crazy that that's the normal thing that like. Like uh, in any other sport, what you said there, be like, no way, that's just ridiculous. But uh, it could, that could actually, be, he could be doing it on purpose. Yeah, it could be, but I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. But anyway, um, then as I said, Lupi Godinez. She, I thought she was good. I just that was the first fight I caught against uh, Luna Lookboom. Uh, she won the unanimous decision there, as I mentioned earlier. Half Garcia, he was very good. That Pat. Pat, uh, Pat Sabatini, Tucker Lutzfeld was pretty good. There was a good bit of back and forth there. Sabatini's very, very strong, good top game and stuff like that. Diana is grand fight. I think that one fight at night, deservedly so. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. People were giving out because Davy Grant got a 30 27. And the first yeah, I think round, I think the first round was yeah. was Yanez, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's why. Uh, I think the you know you could have given the fight twenty nine, twenty eight to Grant with the second and the third, but I just gave it to Yanez eking out the third. But I think the thirty twenty seven more than the more than anything. Um, like I don't think people were outraged that Grant got a scorecard to win the fight. It was more that the first round was given to him. Yeah, I, I I think that was it as well. It was one of those fights where I kind of got carried away a little bit and I wasn't judging it that much because it was such a, a fun fight. But yeah, look, yeah, I, I, the, the second and the third round were close anyway. Forget about the 30-27 for a second. But yeah, it could have gone either way. Uh, but da- like Davy Grant was kind of written off by a lot of people coming into this fight. Like the, the and I was talking about it a little bit on the betting show where he was like a minus 350 underdog or something for this. I think anyone who watched that fight doesn't think there's that much of a difference between these two fighters. You know, Yanis is very good as well, but I think Davy Grant is one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC. And I know he's, what is he, last two in a row now, but still, I think he's very, very good. And I think there's always a place for guys like that uh, in the UFC who'll go out there and improve and have fun fights and, you know, stick, always fight at a level that is... That is always going to be, you know, um, a challenge for whoever he's fighting. And I think, like, I, I'd be very sad if Davy Grant wasn't in the UFC at any time over the next couple of years. I think he's a lot to give. And, I, you know, they say the same for Yanis. So that was uh, a good uh, a good display by both men there. Uh, Honey Yaya, or Ronnie Yaya, I think they were calling him. I think... Um, I think uh, Fernando Praches was explaining why he's called Ronnie. I didn't really fully get it, but it's Ronnie and not Yanni anyway. Or Hani. Sorry. Yanni? Yanni? Uh, what was that thing with the Yanni and... Remember that thing? Like the blue dress, black dress thing. Yanni. Laurel. Laurel. Yanni. That was it. Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Ron, stop! Uh, yeah, he's fighting. He just uh, he used his wrestling, used his jiu-jitsu in the last couple of rounds to win it. He was talking about what was it, the first round... His quality, the second round is cardio, the third round is heart or something like that, which was, I, I like that. It was a good promo he cut afterwards to Daniel Carmia, who we'll have to get to Daniel Carmia. Sometimes, you know, we talk about Carmia and we um, we kind of gloss over and I give out about him for a second. But we're going to have to cut a little bit of a longer promo on Carmia, but we'll, let's fucking do it. Come on, let's uh, let's just cut off in the middle of the card here and do it. I honestly think last night was Daniel Cormier's worst night ever in the UFC commentary box. He was awful. The way he went up to Sean Brady uh, afterwards. Before you go on, uh, yeah. I actually heard some people, I saw some people on Twitter saying that, uh, oh, the Daniel Cormier and Fitzpatrick, uh, is that his name, Fitzpatrick? Uh, no, Fitzgerald, Brendan Fitzgerald. Uh, Fitzgerald, sorry. Yeah, Fitzgerald uh, combo was was the best. And I was just like, what? What? Awful. Are, what are people watching here? I'm like, are you, are you mates with Daniel Cormier? <laughs> What's going? He's paying you for this tweet. Was it Ariel? Was it? <laughs> was no, it was. I, I can't remember who it was. But uh, did you? Yeah, did you oh think God. they were as bad as I did? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like I think we've talked about it a lot at this stage. I think Daniel Cormier is not a good commentator. I, 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 I think like I, I don't know. I think maybe you could bring him in as the kind of Dean Dean Thomas guy. Maybe bring him in for that kind of Except thing if you really want to keep him ta- around. Tactical analysis is horrific. <laughs> yeah, yeah but like if you really want to keep him around, I think you maybe stick him there or stick him on the desk, you know, uh, on on Karen Bryant with yeah. Karen Bryant or whatever. But like his his commentary during the night, it just gets more and more annoying as the night goes on, and oh, it's just it's just bad. It's painful. Like uh, <laughs> I know people like him as a guy and a fighter, and that's all that's all great, and that's but that's got nothing to do with his his commentating ability, and you, you got to kind of separate that and. He can be the nicest guy ever, but he's taking away from the UFC broadcast, in my opinion. 
A hundred percent. Like he, uh, he's just so bad. He just, uh, do you know when uh, the the Keza fight was on and they were like joking in the middle of it? He's like, I hate when people joke in the middle of fights. And he, it's like, have you ever fucking listened to yourself on commentary? All you do is fucking joke and try to make Joe Rogan laugh. You're a fucking. Oh my god, it's embarrassing. Like he's actually worse than Brendan Job when he's with Joe Rogan trying to make him laugh and trying to be. Oh, Joe, please laugh at me. Please find me funny. Oh my god, he's the worst. He's giving out about them joking i was like are you fucking serious and it, don't even get me started on the judging shit he hasn't a clue brendan i thought brendan Fitzgerald, and i like him as a commentator usually he he can't be ever put in there with Carmi again anyway i think that situation's got because he doesn't have like he doesn't have the the kind of fortitude to or not that's the wrong word but he doesn't have the uh the, the um you know, the experience to call Cormier on his absolute bullshit. You know, Anik will do it a bit and Felder will do it and Cruz, especially when he's there, does it. Because, like, there is so much bullshit to call Cormier on in the middle of fights. It's ridiculous because, like, he only wants people to fight the way he fights. If you do anything but wrestle, you're just doing it wrong. Unless you wrestle the way he wrestles, you're doing it wrong. It, you know, if... Oh, it, he's... He, oh, uh, he's the worst. He's the worst. That thing is, well, and I, I mentioned it, he comes up to Sean Brady afterwards and he tries to get him to call out someone. Like, I don't know, he's trying to get him out Shimaev or someone like that. And he keeps going back to him and going back. And it's like, are you fucking serious? And then at the end of the, the fight, uh, of the main event, the, the cards come out, right? And all the judges agree on every round bar one, right? Every round bar one. And he goes, as predicted, the cards are all over the place. It's like, are you fucking an idiot? Like, I, I actually can't believe how stupid and terrible this guy is. Like, he is the worst commentator. I, I honestly, right, if you're listening to this and you think Daniel Carmi is good, I don't understand you. I don't understand in any single way. He has no redeeming send, send in your send, send in your argument and we can, we yeah. can put Sean versus uh, Daniel Carmi fan debate. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. I'm well, I'm, I'm up for it. But I do think, like, do you know he does that like that weigh-in show with Laura Sanko and that other guy? I think he's good on that because that's you know light-hearted and funny. That's where you want that sort of stuff, and you want a bit of light-heartedness and a bit of joking on the comedy as well. Like Bisping has done it down through the years, and Brian Stan used to do a bit of it as well, and everyone. Paul Felder does it. I've no problem with it, keeping it light-hearted and doing it well. A rogue. Like, but he does it way too much. Like, I still like Rogan. I still think Rogan is is good. He doesn't do the, you know, the 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 background oh, or anything like that. He's he, not as good as he once was. Yeah, but he's exactly. still listenable. He concentrates on the fights. If you know the fight is a um, a striking fight, he'll call the striking. If it's jujitsu, he'll call the jujitsu. If it's wrestling, he'll call the wrestling. Carmia is just. If it's narrative, he'll call the narrative. Yeah, <laughs> but like, uh, uh, look, don't Joe Rogan can get carried away. Absolutely, don't. I'm not saying Joe Rogan is perfect. Everyone can get carried away a little bit at times, but Carmia just never gets it right. I've never seen anyone that's so consistently wrong as he is. I think uh, it was Jack Slack that put it up there a couple of weeks ago. One of Carmia's things, and he was like. Uh, the uh, the bad take machine goes brr. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. He's just a bad take machine in every aspect of everything. Like, I I can't see anything good about Daniel Cormier as a commentator. He just he warps my brain when I'm listening to it, and I can't just mute the TV either because you need to hear what's going on. You need to hear the punches landed and everything like that. It's oh, it's so fucking annoying. Someone someone tweeted me last night. It's like. I feel like there's I've done something in a past life that I'm being like you know tortured for by listening what to Daniel Cormier, yeah. and I feel the exact what, what, same way. Like, oh my god! Like, the, there's no option on Fight Pass to knock off the the commentary. Like, oh, sure the main card is on MBT and stuff. I if there was, yeah, I pay a, I pay a thousand that, yeah. a thousand euro a year for that without a shadow of a doubt. You know, oh my god, oh. It, uh, it's so, there's no escaping it because we have to watch the fights like if I could give up watching the UFC I would do it just to escape Daniel Carmi but I can now I'm fucking stuck in this fucking shit sport well, at least you have a week <laughs> off now <laughs> yeah I have a week away from now I fucking need a, I need a year away from that fucker uh, I'm sure he's a nice lad though like I'm nothing against Daniel Carmi as a person or anything he's just like terrible at MMA commentary awful anyway Tyler Santos versus Joanne Wood <laughs> <laughs> you got that uh, off your chest anyway. I, I needed it. I needed it. Um, this was a domination, really, by Tyler Santos. 
she was oh my god I, I had her i had her back at eight to one to win by ko it was so close but uh i on my uh yeah, she just had a flurried when she dropped her against the cage the, the, yeah. the ref was quite close it might have it might have just taken what five seconds of flurrying yeah i thought he was going to as well it was very close but she ended up getting the rear naked choke look joanne woods uh, previously called her but obviously that's there's such weird there was someone around here and their second name was uh I think her, let's make up a first name. Let's go, um, I don't know, Mary, right? Her first name, or her name was Mary Door, and then she married a fella called Wall, so she went from door to wall. <laughs> that's the only, that's the, the weirdest one I've ever heard, but jo- Joanne got from Calderwood to Wood is another one right up there. It's like, what? How did she just take out the Calder out of her name? But anyway, um, yeah, I look, I, I like Tyler Santos. I thought she was, she's a very, very good, uh, before the fight, I thought she was a very good fighter, and I even think more of her now. It was a, really really tough matchup for Jojo she uh, I, I was surprised the betting was as close as it was to be honest you know I, I it, because you look at Santos right her striking is very good she hits hard but she also has good takedowns you know she's a few submissions on her ledger as well and when someone like that fights Jojo Calderwood it's going to be very tough like Jojo is she's a good fighter but she's so limited that anyone who is not limited is going to just beat her unless they're completely inept with fight IQ like just completely and the thing about Santos is she could have fought anyway and beaten Jojo I think because on the feet she was just eating her up uh, and when I went to the ground it was you know it was like women against girls if you want to put it that way you know uh, it was it was just so easy for her what, what do you think of Jojo like do you do you see any future for Jojo as like a top contender because it feels like she was close to a title no. shot she had a title shot but yeah, you don't. Know. I, I think like she has probably the technical ability to to go further, but she just kind of is inconsistent and finds a way to lose, and maybe looks for a way out sometimes in there. Like, in a, I don't like saying that, but like you know, she kind of just turned into the into the joke at the end there. Um, looked like she just kind of gave up, and you know, uh, you're gonna in, in the UFC in any division, you're gonna meet some really really tough girls and guys and uh, you know if, if they think they can break you and get you out of there it's going to be difficult and I think she's shown maybe inconsistencies over the years and maybe gets in her own head and things like that so it's a very hard thing to overcome and I think you know the prospect that she was kind of touted as when she was coming up through Invicta and stuff I don't think she's she's ever going to reach that uh that high and I don't think she'll ever uh, seriously contend for she might get a title shot out of like some kind of circumstance but I don't think she'll ever she'll ever uh, be any challenge for the, the UFC champion yeah I uh, I think she's really missed her chance to get a title shot as well like that division is building now the 125 pound division and you have people like Santos who's what 19 and 1 now you know she is way ahead of her and there's a, probably 2 or 3 more ahead of her so I think that ch- t- uh, the chance for a title shot is gone, and it's going to be very hard to see uh, Jojo getting, say, three or four wins on the bounce again to build her way back up to it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a tough situation, and it's, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think she gave up. I don't think she is someone who, who does give up. I just think she is, I think she's a little, she, like, you get in against someone like Santos, and like your, I think your athletic acumen or your strength is really showing up when you're fighting like an athlete like that. Like I think Joanne Calderwood is more of a technician. Like I think she, if Joanne Calderwood was fighting, you know, point fighting, kickboxing or something like that, I think she'd be very good. But just in MMA, you need you need something special. You need you know, Luke Thomas always mentions the phrase the proclivity for violence, and I just don't think. Joanne Calderwood, or sorry, jo- Joanne Wood has that, and it, it's a sad thing. I don't like criticizing fighters like that and saying, you know, that's a very harsh thing to say. But yeah, I, like, I just maybe MMA is not for her in in at the very very top level. Now MMA is not for her. She's won fifteen fights. Don't get me wrong, but at the very very yeah. top level, I just at don't the very very top, you need to be really tough and really yeah. kind of mentally have strong and yeah. yeah, and you know. <laughs> Not everybody can be the best, you know, not everybody can be the champion. It doesn't take away from what would probably end up being a good career looking back on it when it's over. But, you know, uh, I think, yeah, the the ship has sailed. MMA's, female MMA especially in the UFC has moved on a lot since uh, she was talked talked about as a prospect. And I don't think she's moved on quick enough with it. She's kind of been left behind. So, 
yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, she'll probably, she'll probably fight for years in the UFC uh, to come, but I don't really ever see her making any big leaps in her game. We haven't really seen much development over the last few years. Yeah, someone, uh, someone said to Ally Quinta the other day, go to Bellator and get that belt. It's <laughs> just like, I, for, for him, okay, that's not going to happen because he get destroyed in Bellator. But Joanne Calderwood, or Joanne Wood, I keep calling her Calderwood, it's impossible. I, I could see her going to Bellator and putting, like, that 125 pound division there. You know, who's it, Velasquez is champion. Now, she's a good fighter, I probably picked Velasquez to beat her, but other than that, there isn't that many great people there. I think she could have a, a good run in Bellator if she went there. Maybe that's what she kind of needs in our career but however we will we will see uh we will see what happens uh right the top two fights um sean brady against michael chiesa like this it was in a very interesting fight i thought brady came okay the first thing first okay the fight started with two eye pokes chiesa immediately landed two eye pokes the first of which looked very accidental the second of which his his fingers were straight out and now he kind of he caught the glove of Brady as it was coming into I poke him so there's definitely you know that that helps him a little bit but you can't have your fingers straight out like that and I'm very much not one for taking points I don't like points being taken I think there needs to be uh, different ways of, of penalizing people I would love to change the rules on it but I, I, I don't know I, I think that second one it was so bad in terms of how his fingers were placed. I think he probably should have taken a point straight away for that one. But look, it wasn't a major. I saw some a few people saying you'd wonder how much the eye pokes actually did affect Brady throughout the fight. Because he definitely didn't see seem uh, his normal self. He, he fought well and he, I think he won the fight. But it was it was a very odd fight because that happened at the very start right and then Chiesa fought like a completely different game to what he's been fighting recently I went back and watched four or five of his fights to do the, the preview and Chiesa for a long time recently has been circling uh, a lot you know trying to either pull big shots out of his opponent and counter them or wrestling uh, you know kind of pull a takedown attempt out of his opponent and then he'll wrestle with him and end up getting on top where he was, he was fighting a more kind of straight up one two down the middle pressure game here you know kind of McGregor style maybe a little not not in terms of of his stance maybe or, or uh, the ability but the kind of the, the pressure countering game he was trying to do and I just don't think he was n- nearly as fast as Brady um, or nearly as good as him but that, because of that and because of his lint and because of kind of his refusal to attack I think the first two rounds were very very close and nothing really happened I thought Brady won both of them I know a few people were saying Chiesa uh, uh, won the second look I can see it I can absolutely yeah, second, see it but the second was really close, close like, yeah. it's one of them you'd have to probably go back and, and watch to be sure again but at the time I did think Brady did just enough yeah. and then in the third I thought Chiesa won but 100%. just you mentioned you mentioned the, the eye pokes there you know I'm always a bit suspicious of how accidental some of these are you know, I've seen lots and lots and lots of rounds of sparring in the gym, and I don't think I've ever seen anybody get poked in the eye when you're when you're like trying to take care of your opponent and not poke them in the eye. I think it's quite easy not to not to do it. Obviously, there's some like freak situations where you know mad things can happen or whatever, but these like fully extended arms, fully extended fingers, you know, trying to use your fingers in the eye as a defense from them stepping in is just bullshit and, and like should have points taken. I think. Yeah, it's. The rule is there, like the the rule is written there, and it's it's not you know, the, the ball kicks and back of the head bunches and stuff like that. There's very much extenuating circumstances, and in, in lots of them, you know, you move your head one way and you get punched in the back of the head. Look, that's not my fault. I can't do anything about it. But when you have your hand straight out and someone gets poked in the eye, well, there's a rule that you can't have your hand straight out. So like that, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, but that's I suppose a discussion for uh, that maybe ten minutes ago, or a discussion for another day, maybe. But anyway, um. Yeah, and the second round, like a lot of people are arguing over the uh, the um, rear naked choke attempts from Brady versus maybe some of the strikes from Chiesa. I actually think it was kind of the strikes from Brady on the ground that maybe were enough. Um, I didn't think, like there was nothing hugely immediately impactful in terms of strikes our submissions in the second round, I didn't think. And I, I haven't gone back and watched it. It was fucking boring and shit, so I'm probably not uh, ever going to go back and watch it. But, like, that's... It was one of those rounds. It could have gone either way. But I, f- I feel like most people thought at the end of it, like, Brady just did enough. Like, when you have that back for a long time and you're landing shots, like, 
you're getting on off all the offense there and your opponent is getting off none of the offense. That means something in a round where there isn't like a big hurtful shot or a big knockdown or a big submission attempt or something like that. You know, and, and it, it, it's just logically you go that way and that's the way. Those were the most impactful shots when there was no big impactful shots landed or maybe one or two kind of good shots by Chiesa. It just wasn't. I just didn't think he did enough. Whereas in the third, like I thought Chiesa was winning the third. It was like if, if the shots that happened... At the start of the third round from Gaza happened in the second, he would have won the second. Those he rocked Brady badly, he looked hurt, he looked tired as well. Um Brady did end up taking his back for almost the rest of the round, but I still had Gaza winning, even if it had gone to the end of the round, because Brady didn't do anything with the back. And it look he landed a few shots like in the second round, but with what came before it was worth way more than it. But it, it didn't matter anyway, because they got back up and Gaza landed a load more shots and clearly took that third round. So Look, I think going forward, it's a very interesting fight uh, with Sean Brady because he showed, I think, that he's a very good fighter and a very uh, a top level fighter. But he also showed that he got tired, he got hurt. Um, so I think if uh, if people want to draw him into a longer fight, he said he wanted to fight five rounds, and I think he probably needs to fight in five round fight uh, for his next one to prove he can do it. Um, I, I think that'd be very very interesting. What what did you think of Brady? Like a few people last night were kind of suggesting Brady's not not great and not a, a great prospect. I think he's right up there as one of the top prospects. Obviously, he has things to overcome and things to prove still, but I, I'm excited about Sean Brady. I think he's very very good. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's definitely a good win. You know, uh, Chiesa has some some very good wins on his record. Re- even recently, you know, Rafael Lasanios, Magni, Condit, people like that. He's been fighting top level guys for a long time. He's beaten Benil Dariush. You know, he's a dangerous guy. I know that was a few years ago now. And Sean Brady's, you know, he's still making his way. You know, he's a lot less experienced in the UFC than than Chiesa. And you know, these kind of close decisions where where you kind of have to. Uh, you have to grind it out. They'll stand to him. You know he's fifteen and zero now. I don't think he's ready for the the big push because you know there is some some uh, very very good good guys and difficult matches for him at the top of the division. But I think it's it's like it's a good win. It's it wasn't fancy. It wasn't spectacular or exciting. But he beat a difficult guy who who offers. Um, a lot of the problems on, on the ground and uh, especially with the rear naked choke and he dealt with that and kind of uh, showed confidence in his own jiu-jitsu game and his all-round game. Like I thought he was going to come around here come out here and just kind of stay on the outside and box Chiesa and try to try to just strike with him and stay away from the 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 grappling game but he but he didn't he he mixed he mixed everything together nicely so yeah he may not be the, like you know knocking everybody out or running through everybody but I think he's still a good prospect but I do think he you know He's not ready for a big step up yet. Well, you see now, that's what is going to come to next. I, I think him versus maybe Bilal Muhammad would make sense. I think that would be a good fight. I think they were supposed to fight before. Uh, I think Bilal, Bilal is fighting someone coming up soon. Uh, who's he fighting? Uh, is he fighting? Oh, he's fighting Wonderboy, isn't he? Yeah, so maybe the winner of that against Sean Brady. I think that would make a lot of sense. Maybe like Pons and Ibio or... Yeah. Um, yeah. Did he fight Pons? Oh, my God, Matt. Who's Let's look at Sean Brady's record. Let's see who he's already fought. Right, so he has fought Jake Matthews. Yeah, I like that. Jake Matthews, Corn McGee, Colton Smith back for a while ago, Christian Aguilera. Yeah, so he hasn't really taken that lead. It would be a big know. step up, you know, to go yeah. into the top kind of seven or eight, I think. When you beat Chiesa, though, you know, when you beat Chiesa and he's ranked number six, you kind of have to. There's a, the only way is kind of up at that stage or, you know, maybe you're fighting a Magni or a Bilal. Like, I think if Bilal beats Wonderboy, I think that fight makes a lot of sense, him versus Brady. But Gilbert Burns is around there as well. Like, Gilbert Burns is calling out... Um, yeah, the Magnum fight itself could make sense as well. Yeah, you know. maybe. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of options because he hasn't fought hardly any of them. You know, he's 14 at the moment, but he will move up significantly this week. So, yeah, look, there's a lot of options. I think him versus Shimaev would be a fun fight as well. I think that makes sense. You know, they're both the, the rising stars. Or maybe you want to keep them apart and, you know, have the both of them rise separately and maybe meet at the top, but... I wouldn't mind seeing that. I think it'd be a good fight, but uh, yeah, it's uh, onwards and upwards for Sean Brady. Uh, you know, Irish MMA going strong, so fair, fair, fair play to him. Um, let's talk about the main event, Kellen Vera versus Misha Tate. 
a nightmare for the judges is probably the, the first thing you have to say about this one. I thought the only clear round was the second. I thought the f- uh, for Vieira, obviously. I thought the, the fifth, Vieira won it as well. But the rest of them, like, well, it's a complete toss-up. I gave it 49, 46, Vieira. I think I gave the third yeah, the to fourth. Tate, or maybe the fourth, maybe. The fourth, I, I thought I, I gave to Tate and I gave the rest to Vieira. I, thought, I didn't think it was... I thought it was kind of made sound closer than, than it was. Uh, I don't know. I thought... I, 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 look, I thought Vieira did enough in most of the rounds, uh, but like, no, I, I did give her the third, yeah, because I had a twenty nine, twenty eight, but the four was close as well. Like, the first was very close. Like, there was three extremely close rounds. There's no doubt about that. I don't think, but it, it was one of those fights where, you know, the the. And this was kind of a, a a big example of like, oh, one fighter wins like one or two rounds or a round and a half even really clearly. Uh, but the other fighter could still have won. I think, like, I could see anywhere from fucking 49, 46 Tate to 50, 45 Vieira. It was, it was one of them fights. It was, it was mad. I know, I don't think the 49, 46 Tate would be a good card, but I think 48, 47 Tate is a fine card. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, like, Vieira again, and this is the one thing I will give Carmier credit for. He talked about Vieira needing to um have more output and i absolutely i said that in my preview show before and i said it last week like if you watch any of her fights she is always three or four shots around away from winning the rounds handily and like minus two or three shots away from probably losing the rounds uh, and you know she's right in that you know she's right in that area where she's leaving all the rounds close just because she doesn't throw enough or do enough and I think she, I think she also isn't listening to her corner by the sounds of things. They, they kind of went mad at her yeah, after the first round, saying, "We told you no grappling. Like, what are you doing?" And then mm-hmm. the rest of the, the rest of the time, they were telling her, "Push forward, push forward. Why won't you push forward? Why won't you listen?" <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So uh, maybe following instructions is uh, sticking to a game plan. If she can, if she can get that right, it can really help her game. You know, uh, she, she doesn't really seem to believe in her strikes as much as maybe she should I think one of the commentators mentioned that maybe your boy your boy Cormier uh, but um, yeah I think you know she she made it a lot closer than it should have been she should have she should have won this fight probably 50-45 or 49-46 clearly I, but I think the finish was there for her to be honest because she was hurt and Tate every time she hit her she just didn't hit her enough I, I think. think Tate is very tough though yeah, is, and yeah. I think yeah I think though um yeah, I think it was a, it was a good performance, and it's, it's it's you know it's a good performance with loads of room for improvement. Um, and you know, she maybe had a bit too much respect for Misha Tate. I think Misha Tate's you know not very good anymore, That's and probably <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's very good anymore. Um, I think the game's moved on, and. Uh, you know, her striking just—they were the commentators were trying to say how much better her striking was. I didn't think so. Um, yeah, and especially in that second round, she, yeah. she was getting ears boxed off her, and DC would get nothing but oh, Misha Tate's striking improvements. I'm like, are you serious? Like her nose is starting to bleed. There's like loopy, loopy shots and yeah. getting getting hit in the face constantly. I don't, I don't know. Uh, look, I thought Misha. Look, it was a very tough matchup for her. I think, and I thought she did well to make it as close as she did. Like that's what Misha. She's a very, very tough and smart fighter as well. But I, like, I would, I would tend to agree with what you were saying there. Like her, her technique and her like her athleticism in terms of the strength and the the, the quick one twos right down the middle are not on Vieira's level. I don't think. But her athleticism in different ways, able to come in from sides, her her kind of footwork and stuff, I think is a lot better than than someone like Vieira. But it's just, I just don't think it's enough. Like. She, I think Misha Tate is actually uh, maybe not as good now as she ever was, but is still fighting as well as you could possibly think she could fight with like her ability and her athleticism and all. I, you know, I, I think she's one of these people like say Kenny Florian back in the day, the people you always say about that got the absolute most from themselves. I think that's what Tate is, and then Vieira is the exact opposite. I feel like she's not getting enough from herself. You know, there's there's so much more that you could see from her and. I I don't think we'll ever get it to be honest. I I just I don't think people can click it on and off like that. You've almost never seen it in MMA. You don't see it in any sports where people can just kind of they're you know they're halfway or three quarters of the way through their career and next thing they they turn into like the best in the world. It's just I don't know. I I just I don't see it happening to be honest. No, 
But um, it's there's minor changes for Vieira that could lead to major um, changes in her game in terms of winning rounds and winning fights. The problem is when she gets to the top level against someone like an Amanda Nunes, it's not going to matter anyway. So it's it's a very very tough one. But yeah, like this this fight overall, it wasn't a great fight. It wasn't a classic. Very close early. I thought Kelly Vieira was just winning in the first round, and then Tate kind of took the last half of the round. But I just gave it to uh, Vieira. The second round was clearly Vieira, even though the, the stats were basically the same. The stats don't matter. She was boxing the ears off her. It doesn't matter if, you know, Misha Tate landed one or two fucking arm punches or whatever. It's kind of like push leg kick things. Yeah. Just, it's just like, not, why you can't do it? It's a significant strike. No, it's ridiculous. Third and the fourth, just very close, you know, kind of back and forth. And then towards the end of the fourth or maybe into the fifth anyway, uh, Vieira just started making Tate's face bleed an awful lot and she looked you know she looked like if she wins the fight it's just going to be the wrong person winning kind of job you know and I know that's not how uh, how MMA judging works but it was one of those ones where I was like Jesus the judges are probably praying for the finish here but you know I went there anyway and look Vieira Tate I don't know we see her back again maybe maybe not I wouldn't mind seeing her again she didn't look shot or anything like that uh, whereas Vieira I think she the worst thing she could do is get put right into a title shot or get close to it I think she needs one or two more fights and she needs big improvements before she's put in there so you know we leave it at that the card terrible card overall not great but look a few talking points from it right um, before we go Paul Redmond retired this week Graham a legend of obviously the Irish MMA game um, a guy who always came and put it on the line who was always fun <clears throat> you know fought in KSW Cage Warriors Bellator UFC Probably five or six other places as well along the way. I know you've Battle been... Battlezone, Battle Wars, yeah. <laughs> Cage yeah. yeah. What, are your, what are your thoughts on the old red man? Yeah, well, he's, he's a guy who always kind of fought everybody. An amateur even fought uh, Artem Loboff. Uh, you know, it was third ever fight was was Phil, Philip Mopeter. You know, he, he, fought, he fought his way up. He was, uh, he was kind of just a... The kid in Rhino, uh, I think. What did what did Andy Ryan call him? He said he came in as a, a fat skateboarder kid. <laughs> so he was uh, he he came into the game and earned his way up and fought on those lo- local shows in Irish MMA like Battle Zone and made his way to Cage Warriors and you know uh, kind of made a name for himself there with some with some nice toe holds and submissions and kind of unorthodox jiu jitsu and things like that and you know I, I think. Uh, the timing of making it to the UFC and the weight class and all the circumstances around him making it to the UFC were just were just wrong and um, he he had to cut a, a lot a lot of weight to get down to one forty five and couldn't make it and it looked absolutely terrible and you know it, it didn't work out for him in the UFC uh, debut he, he obviously was fighting a very good guy in Bektich and he and he got he got you know beaten beaten comprehensively there and uh, he kind of you know uh, <laughs> maybe. 145 was never his weight class but you kind of got to take the contract when the UFC comes is, is what a lot of guys think but you know hindsight is, is easy to say but you know I think his career could have been a lot different if he had kind of stayed in cage wires and maybe won the, or won and defended the title a little bit there and gone to the UFC at a different time but it wasn't to be and he, he continued to fight everywhere and anytime he could and you know he says he's retired now and we always talk about MMA retirements he'll probably he'll probably be back soon enough but uh, if he does call it a career you know nobody can say that he ever kind of backed down from a challenge or or uh, you know he was he probably wasn't some of his fights weren't the most exciting but he was always you know trying to go for finishes and stuff and I think I think he I think he's uh, you know uh, one of the one of the nice guys of, of Irish MMA as well you know he always had time for, for everybody and you know uh, it's hard to call these retirements when you when you don't really believe that they're going to retire like I, I, Irish like, lads have kind of retired not come back like Siri hasn't come back yeah. Kendra hasn't come back like it's weird Come on, Gregor is the only one who kind of does like Artem doesn't look like he's coming back you know it's in fairness with Irish MMA they haven't like has anyone come back from retirement not really you know Ashling Daly hasn't come back Paddy Hoolan hasn't come back you know every, every Irish yeah. MMA fighter who's retired hasn't come back yeah. yeah so I don't know 
Yeah, maybe you can't believe in an MMA retirement unless it's an Irish unless retirement. Unless the Irish are, are reliable out Art McGregor apart, you know. <laughs> but I, look, look, looking at his record, and I remember talking to someone like um, close to Cage or who were saying like it was a mistake, you know, as you said, going to the UFC so early. But around that time, you know, Irish lads were getting signed left, right, and centre. And when the UFC comes calling, you can't blame a guy for taking it. But I think it was a weight class more than anything else. And if he had maybe yeah, one or two and more. The timing. But you, you see, like, the, the thing about it was, looking at his record, like, Paul Redmond's best run of his career came after the UFC. And that's a weird thing to say, because most fighters we see down through the years, if, like, they get to the UFC and they get cut from the UFC, 95% of the time they wilt away and you... Look, well, maybe not 95%, but sometimes now they go to Bellator and they fight for a few years or they wilt away. But, like, beat Chris Stringer, the Norman Park fight, a very, very close fight. He could have won that. Beat Rob Sinclair, then won the, the his fight at KSW, then won his fight at Bellator... You know, that was a, a really, really good run. Got Okay, he got a last in in KSW. He beat Charlie Leary. We see, you know, good Charlie Leary is over the last while. And then he got that tough matchup with Georgie Carcanyan. But, you know, he had that spot against Brandon Gertz, and that would have been a big fight. And if he had won that, it would have, you know, meant a lot with Brandon Gertz's name. And, you know, he should have had... Uh, I remember we were constantly kind of complaining about Bellator not giving him a co-main event or a top spot in cards. And it just felt like... I don't know, maybe he'll be able to speak this, maybe I'm talking out of turn here, but it felt like he got a little bit annoyed with MMA at that stage. It was like He he said he didn't care, and I, I'm sure he didn't, but it felt like everyone else cared, and everyone else was giving out about it. And I'd say he's just like, well, I just want to fight, and I, this shite is annoying me, kind of. And now injuries and everything like that. Like, he signed with Cage Warriors not too long ago, was supposed to fight Mehdi Ben Lakhtar, and Mehdi Ben Lakhtar was fighting for the title now, coming up in a couple of weeks here. So Paul Redman wasn't that far away from, you know, the, the Cage Warriors, the, the, the upper echelon, the top of that division. So, you know, yeah, he, like, he is, he is one that I could see coming back. Like, the rest of them, it was like, you know, they, they'd kind of done what they... What they, I suppose, accomplished in their career, I mean, apart from maybe Paddy Hoolan and Ash, because it was it was injuries and yeah. different things with him. It but does get, seem like a kind of unfinished career, you does, know. Yeah. It does, yeah. yeah. Like, and I mean, like, if you're going to Cage Warriors, you're not going to be getting paid that much. That's the reality of it. Like, does he want to be taking three or four more fights in Cage Warriors, where, you know, he might only earn fucking I don't know how much they're getting paid, fifteen, twenty grand out of it or something like that, even less maybe. I don't know. Probably not. You know, RDOC going to sign him back up even if he gets three or four wins. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. It's like it's a smart decision probably to make. To be honest, like I'll never criticize someone for retiring, especially when they've done as much as someone like Paul Redmond has done. And like, hopefully, he has. Uh, you know, he gets into training and does lots of that. And I know he's working. And well, he was in college up until last year, I think, wasn't he? Anything? So, you know. I'd lo- I'd lo- I'd still love to see him fight again. To be honest, I think he has more to give. But when it's injuries and everything like that, absolutely, there's no criticism for me coming there anyway. But um, yeah, a-, a legend. As I said, I remember um, actually myself and Ian have recorded a podcast and I mentioned it there. But I mentioned it here again. I remember the the Cage Warriors event that I went to, the very first event that I was ever kind of credentialed at and stuff. And even before I was with Severe MMA, and uh, I remember I went up to, to collect my lane or whatever it was at the box office, and he was there in front of me, and he kind of turned around. And he's like, "Oh well, Sean, how are you?" And he like shook hands with me and said, "Oh," and like for someone covering their first show, who, like wasn't big one for doing interviews and talking to fighters and everything, for someone to like, you know, have a. a a minute to say hello to me I don't know if he was fighting or not or was a, maybe he was only carding or someone but that was something that meant a lot to me and, and I'll always uh, you know I know he always had time for Severe and me and Andrew interviewed him and everyone interviewed him down through the years and uh, you know I interviewed him a couple of times myself even and it was it was uh, it was always a joy to talk to him there's no bullshit you know it's same as Siri all the Rhino boys there's no fucking bullshit with him and uh, it, it'd be a, it'd be a sad place if we know lads like that in Irish MMA so Fair play to Reds are, and uh, I wish him well in the future. And uh, you know, we might have a chat again sometime down the down the line. But anyway, we leave it there, Graham. We leave it at that. We have much more to talk about. There's probably one or two things, but we have the Q and A and everything to come as well. Uh, so we will leave the podcast there for this week. Thanks everyone for tuning in. As I said, go over to Manscape Black Friday. Support them there. Patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast. Absolutely, loads of stuff uh, there uh, this week and last week. You'd interview Chris Fields, Graham. The Speaker's Corner interview that went up with me and uh, me and Harry talking about MMA retirements. I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's one of the best podcasts we've ever put up on on Severe MMA, whether it's Patreon or free or anything. I was thinking about putting it up as a free one next week because there's kind of a week off, but we, we decided better on that. But we never know. Maybe that will happen. But honestly, 
those speakers corners episodes that we're doing the contender series that were the contender series i should, probably shouldn't call it that but the one i'm doing with uh with ian and stuff as well there's some really great stuff there and in your series graham that you're doing with uh with all the the interviews that are coming up uh, and the interviews that uh that have already gone up are absolutely fantastic do you know who's this uh wednesday graham do you know who it is this wednesday on your show no, I'm not sure. The schedule got a bit mixed up, it so is, I don't is. know what's going on now. <laughs> this Wednesday is going to be SPG Supremo, John Kavanagh. So Wednesday, I think it's a 43 minute or 40 minute interview with John Kavanagh and yourself, Graham. So uh, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. That'll be up at 7 a.m. Wednesday morning. So you might as well sign up now altogether and uh, and it'll get right into your RSS feed on uh, on Wednesday morning. Then, you know, there's there's more to come as well uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, myself and Harry talk about finding a gym this week as well. That'll be out on Thursday uh, as well. I'll have the Q&A out Tuesday. Uh, and, you know, loads more stuff as well. So that's it. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. Severe Podcast, give us a like here on t- wherever you're listening. If it's on YouTube, if it's on SoundCloud, if it's on iTunes, give us a review and all of that. Let people know. Tweet it out. Put it on Facebook. Tag people. Tag us. And uh, let's let's get the uh, the party going. Uh, Graham, inspirational quote of the week. Hit us with it. I was looking for a job and then I found a job. And heaven knows I'm miserable now. Uh, God, is that a quote from me? Is that a quote from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? All right, uh, I, I, I would like to thank you for not mentioning Ole Gunnar Solskjaer throughout this whole uh, podcast. We will leave it there. Thank you oh, to everyone for this. for football, though, isn't it? Poor, yeah, poor, uh, uh, poor Ali, get, get him back at the wheel. At least my character now, so uh, it's not too bad. Don't depress me. Right, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next time. Good luck. <laughs>